0: Backup, but we might have to go improv later on. Hopefully not. But we'll be in John 11, uh, John chapter number 11. Um, most of you'll be familiar with this story, uh, story of Lazarus. But um, before I get um, started, just kind of give it a little bit of my testimony. Um, I'm the weird guy that started showing up with Courtney. Um, I am her boyfriend. Uh, those of you that's already threatened to beat me if I break her heart. Um, you know, you know me pretty well already. But those of you who haven't threatened me yet. We can get that out of the way later today. But um, what am I knocking something here or something? Zach, we good? All right, all right, all right, all right. As long as I don't break nothing, get Kenny mad. <laughs> all right, I got you. But um, basically, so I started coming with Courtney about winter time. But my name's Dylan Osborne. I uh, I am from Jackson, Ohio. Most of you familiar with the area. It's not far from here. But um, I do come from Jackson. Uh, I went to school at Menford with. Where I met Courtney, um, but I was saved at a young age, saved at about 10 years old. Um, where, or I'm sorry, 11 years old. It was April 5th, 2015. It was on an Easter morning that I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. Um, from that point on, I kind of had a dry phase, a dry spell. What's going on here with the sound? <laughs> I, I'm, i have no clue. Huh? Just, just turn this off. All right. I ain't tech savvy. There we go. All right, so we'll go. We'll go old-fashioned. Anyways, uh, I was saved at 11 years old. Uh, kind of sat on the sidelines. I, I, I say this testimony multiple times because it's a testimony, um, too common with many people. Got stuck sitting on the sidelines for about six years. Yes, I, was, I had a fire for Christ. Yes, I was saved, but I really wasn't doing much for the Lord. I didn't realize that. I still have a purpose um, on this earth. I, 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 I tried living out that purpose, but I didn't seek my purpose. Um, you know, God's not going to drag me up here and make me preach. God's not going to drag you up here and make you sing. Uh, God's not going to drag you out into across the street and make you teach a class. Um, we have to surrender ourselves to Christ. So saved. Yes. Um, Fully surrendered in the way I walk daily? Not really. Um, there was some steps I still needed to take um, to grow in Christ, and as we all do every day, steps we need to take to grow in Christ. But um, August 4, 2021, Ripley, West Virginia, there was a camp meeting called Ignite the Youth, um, where I just heard this amazing testimony, and I, 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 I just knew, like similar to the conviction of uh, when you needed to get saved, my heart was pounding out of my chest. I knew my calling. I knew what it was. It had been in my heart previously for a little bit, but I was fighting and running away from it because I'm a shy person. I'm a, more of a quiet person. If I get to know you, I'm really annoyingly loud and talk a lot, but as far as public speaking goes, uh, I'm very shy. Uh, it, it really scares me, uh, but, you know, God doesn't call the qualified. God calls the ones who are willing to do His will, the ones who He knows has the faith to do it, has a heart for Him. And I'm so thankful and so honored to have this calling. Um, I don't take it lightly, um, but I'm just very thankful. But I've been preaching for about two years now. Some say I've gotten better, some say I've gotten worse. Um, We'll see, I guess. But, um, you know, I've I've been slammed a time or two, but it's all right. We don't take it personally, even though i got their names written down. (laughs) Courtney's one of them. But uh, John chapter 11, we'll be starting in verse 1, in all seriousness. It says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary that anointed uh, the Lord with anointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death but for glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day, if any man walk in the day? He stumbleth not, but he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go, that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then Jesus answered and Jesus and then said Jesus unto them plainly Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless let us go unto him. So we'll read some more verses later. But I really want to focus on verse 11. These things said he and, said he and after that he saith unto them Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Um, you know, we find that one of Jesus's dear friends, someone he loved very much, um, one of the brothers of the two sisters, Mary and Martha, he loves very much, is very sick, very ill. Um, the disciples actually misinterpreted what he read. They thought he meant he was sleeping as a, a physical sleep, but he meant sleeping as in dead. My question to you is, are you asleep? The only one who can wake us from a spiritual sleep is Jesus Christ himself. We need to, su- to surrender and let him take control. Quit being lazy, stand strongly in the faith, and walk with a strut in your step, knowing the God you serve. Go out into the world and make a difference. Don't be a pew-denter. It is time for not only Christians to wake up, but the church as a whole to wake up, for America to wake up, for the family to wake up, for the houses to wake up. We as a nation need to wake up because we're heading in a direction that's not very good, and that is ungodly in a way that our nation is slowly turning its back on God. How many Christian pride parades do we see? How many Christians march the streets? We too often exercise the comfort of shame rather than the right and purpose to walk unashamed. Um, we've seen a reverse. Used to, if you go back a few decades even, um, Christians were a lot more uh, prideful of our God, we were a lot more unashamed Christians. But then you, and then the world was kind of ashamed to be worldly. It was ashamed to be um, the way it was. Now it's flipped. You see this mass movement of people not worrying about being worldly. Christians are shying away and not speaking up about much anymore. Christians are kind of hiding in the corner and letting this, the worldly things take reins of this nation and of this world. Mary and Martha both told the Lord, if he had been there, then it wouldn't have happened. Let's look at verse 21 and 32. So verse 21 says, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been there, my brother had not died. Then let's jump to 32. Um, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been there, my brother had not died. How many of us Christians find ourselves saying, God, if you were only there, God, why weren't you there for me? God, where were you in this moment in my life? Why didn't you show up? Why didn't you impact this thing that I prayed for fervently over and over and over again? God hears our prayers, but sometimes we feel like he doesn't listen to them. He does, but sometimes it just doesn't feel like that. But in the end, you know, God has a greater purpose than the one thing we're thinking of. You know, we have a very short perspective on the way we see things. When you start looking at things through a Christ-like perspective, um, a Christ-like manner, seeing things the way Jesus does in the broad picture of things. Because had you had your way, um, one day when we get to heaven, maybe we realize that it would have been a very bad deal if we had our way, um, no matter how big or small. There's a lot of things we'll question. Um, In this life, but we got to keep having the faith to keep pushing forward, keep moving on, keep going, because in the end, we will have the answers. God will let us know and we'll finally be able to understand that's why this happened. That's why I had to go through this, because God sees things in such in the broad spectrum. Obviously, he knows everything. He knows all and he's able to make a great testimony out of even a death. When hope is lost, rise up. When fellow Christians give up, rise up. When everyone doubts you, rise up. When only Jesus understands that is all you need, rise up. When you're entombed in your own burden of darkness, grief, pain, weakness, tiredness, and failure, rise up. Rise up because the master is calling. It is time to use what looked like the end as the beginning of a testimony that glorifies Christ. Um, This is saying that basically it doesn't matter how dark or how deep of a hole I'm in right now. God will get me through it, and God will use it. You know, there, there are things, like I said, that there's, there's things that happen to us we can't understand and we can't fathom. Um, I found in my life the biggest things that I have gone through that I have really questioned and don't really understand why God would let that happen to me have allowed me to use my testimony to help others. Um, typically, young teens, I've gone through some things, fear, doubt, stuff like that, that... I've been able to share with others and actually help others. In the moment, you think you're the only one going through that. In the moment, you think that you're the only Christian that has that much of a lack of faith. But you're not alone. There are as many Christians in your scenario, many Christians in your steps. But what the devil will try to do is seclude you from the rest of your Christian brothers and sisters and make you think that you're the one that's furthest away, that you're the one that's least worthy, that you're the one that God cannot forgive but i'm here to tell you that god will forgive you god loves you jesus died for you no matter how far you've gone as a christian um, even before you've gotten saved no matter what you've done god still loves you and if you still have breath in your lungs you still have a purpose in this life you still have a purpose in this world and no matter what you go through no matter what you say do or anything like that there's still a purpose for you if you're here today and you don't know if you're saved i highly encourage you to get saved because it's not something i'd play games with if you're a christian here today And you feel like you're asleep. You're spiritually asleep. You're spiritually seemingly dead. And you need Christ to help you. God is calling. Christ is calling your name. God's saying, come forth. But it's up to us to rise up and go to him. Verse 34 says, And he said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Now, that's not just the easiest memory verse we can use, but that is a very powerful verse. Jesus wept, two words. Um, If you think about who is crying right there, it really leaves an impact. Of all the things Jesus had gone through, of all the things that Jesus had seen, it finds significance in this story to say that Jesus wept. Jesus knows that in the end, you know, Lazarus would have peace and everything. Why would he be crying? I believe grief is a biblical thing. It's proven here. Another thing, I believe Jesus understood the impact of what was about to happen. If you find here, verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. And then 41, says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou heardest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. It's all that others may believe. It's all that others may see the works of Christ, no matter what you go through. If someone at your work sees you go through um, something that, Everyone knows is a difficult time, and something that everyone thinks to make a Christian quit and make a Christian question God. It's okay to ask God questions, but we shouldn't question God Himself. But when we see that uh, so, someone at work or someone at school sees us uh, as a Christian going through a hard time with a smile on our face, or still staying faithful to God, still going to the church three days a week, still showing up for Christ, still living in a Christ-like manner, that's when we have the biggest impact. That's when we show people. Who Jesus is. That's when we can share the gospel right there. Is when no matter what you go through, if you're publicly going through a tribulation, that you still have joy. That joy is something that the world can't buy. The world can have short happiness moments, but they can never buy joy. The world can't have joy. Joy only comes through Jesus. And when we show our joy, even in the dark tribulations, that's when the world will come to Christ. Verse 43. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him, and let him go. We see that Christ did it. We see that Jesus did it. Jesus raised the dead. And we see a lot of awesome correlations of um, the actual resurrection of Christ, too, here. But... It's amazing to see, and I, I feel like we kind of overlook this story and don't realize the significance that Jesus literally raised Lazarus from the dead. I have to tell myself that over and over. These things we read in the Bible actually happened. This isn't a fiction storybook. This is a nonfiction historical text that has things that actually happened. True testimonies of what people eyewitnesses saw and people actually said. And what Jesus said, words in red, those words were spoken by the Son of God, Jesus Christ. We—it's hard to fathom sometimes, but we really got to focus in and and key in on the fact that this book is real. These are not stories; these are facts. All is dark, gloomy, and silent until the master shows up. We see that the grave, the tomb, is not um, a wonderful place to be. It's—it's dark. It's cold. It's gloomy. Um, You know, the body's rotten. It's been four days. Um, it's probably some reeks, it smells, it's not a great place to be, but that is until the master shows up. I believe when Lazarus rose from the dead that he didn't have to have that stench anymore. I believe when the Hebrews um, were in the fire that they didn't even smell of smoke because I believe that's how powerful our God is. It's all dark and gloomy until the master shows up. He is the great I am. He is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, sweet Rose of Sharon, the Messiah. He's Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Teskanu, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Rapha. He, his name is Jesus, and he is the Son of God. And this mighty God found someone as small and little as me, whose was, who was head is to a devil's hell. Um, The apple of his eye significant enough to die for me, to die for my sins, to forgive me of my sins. This is the son of God we're talking about that lived a hard life, 33 years on this earth to just to take the punishment of my sins. Uh, The son of God actually did this. He left the comfort of heaven to go through these things, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a hope in an eternity that I didn't deserve. His mercy and grace is sufficient. His mercy and grace is shown in each and every message we could preach out of here. Mercy and grace can be found. And I'm so thankful. You know, I, I'm, I'm so thankful for the love of God. There are things, of course, you know, we, we, we paint a hippie picture of Christ sometimes. But, yes, there is the wrath of God. Yes, there is a fear of God, but it's a respectful fear of God. And I'm so thankful to know that Christ died for my sins, and God loves me so much. It says he's a friend that sticketh closer than any brother. I have brothers, and I'm really close to them. I have friends that I'm really close to. But any person you can imagine, your best friend on this earth, Christ is a million times better, and times that by a million after. Because Christ is so much closer, and Christ loves you more than anyone could ever imagine loving you. I'm saved, my sins are washed away, and as far as the east is from the west, and I couldn't be more thankful for that. And because I have breath in my lungs, because you have breath in your lungs, I know that God is not finished. It doesn't end at the grave. If you are asleep spiritually, wake up, Christian, because there is work to be done. It is the least we can do for a God who has done so much for us. Wake up, America, you are straying away from God. Wake up, Dad, your household's out of control. Wake up, Mama, because... There's things that are happening, and your children are being raised in a wicked generation, in a wicked world. The Bible says things will only wax worse and worse, and I'm not here to be a doomsayer, but I'm here to give you the truth. It will get more difficult. There will be more things we'll see. But it's up to us to stand firm in the faith, stand firm in in, in the gospel, and firm in what the true word of God says, and stand firm in those things which we know are true. I believe the armor of God is a very important thing we need to implement in our lives And that many Christians lack in a day we need it more than ever. But back to Jesus weeping. This is a big deal. The savior of the world weeping over the death of a friend. He knew that when he decided to do this. That some Jews would would believe on him. And then some would go and tell the Pharisees. Was this something that he weighed and considered when he knew so that that some would believe he went for it? He knew that, of course, he would make a rumble. Of course, he'd make the other Jews mad, raising someone from the dead, claiming to be the son of God. But why would he still do it in fear of them stopping him? Jesus didn't let fear stop him. Jesus knew the impact. And Jesus knew the way to go about it. And we need more Christians who are less scared of what someone may say or what someone may do if you share the gospel, what your friend may say, what your coworker may do. Because we see biblical times that there was a lot worse done to these guys, yet they talked a lot more about the gospel. There was a lot bigger reprimands at the time. Um, and we live in a nation that we have the freedom of speech. We have the ability to share the gospel. Yet we, we, we stay in closed four walls, and we don't do it. We stay in these four walls and talk about Jesus and act like we're flamboyant about Christ. But then we go out there, and we, we, we live a double lifestyle. It's like we're double-agent spies. We don't see the true impact of sharing the gospel. Simply talking to someone about Jesus. Um, I work at Atomic Credit Union, and I do loans all day. Uh, if you would have told me that God would use that somehow to talk to people about Jesus, I would have said there's no way. That sounds like there's just no way. But there has been windows that have opened up where I've been able to share the gospel with somebody. You know, hey, man, um, if someone's got a shirt on, simple, if someone's got a shirt on that says something about Jesus, um, anything like that, any any hint you can take, and you don't need a hint. You can go right for it. Um, hey, man, you know, do you believe in Jesus? Do you? Um, are, are you a believer? just simple questions like that and it can you would wouldn't believe how receptive most people are there's the occasional person who will shut it down or get mad or something like that but there's a lot of people out there that are willing to talk about like yeah yeah i believe um maybe they're not saved. maybe they believe and they're just not saved but you can be a light to them in that moment kind of show them the truth um there's this big false teaching around that being a good a, a good boy or a good girl gets you into heaven um, that's not the truth because works doesn't save us, works doesn't keep us saved, and there's no way that by works we could get into heaven or lose the possibility of heaven. Um, it's simply by grace through faith that Jesus died for us, that Jesus bore the punishment for us. Um, you know, There's nothing you can do to lose your salvation, and there's nothing you can do works-wise to gain your salvation. It's by believing and accepting in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Sh- shining that light, showing people The truth is what we need to do. Um, You know, it doesn't matter what job you do. If you're surrounded by people, if you have people around, which is most jobs, share the gospel there. You're with them every day. Um, How would you like to get to heaven and look one day and realize that's how many people I could have led to the Lord, and you're seeing them get cast into the lake of fire because you were too scared to talk about Jesus. When Lazarus arose, he still had grave clothes on him. Rising up also involves some maintenance after. Once we rise up, we got to clean up. It says, And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Um, once we rise up, there's still some maintenance steps that are to be taken. Um, you know, once we're asleep in Christ, we are. And I'm not talking about death. I'm talking about a spiritual sleep. Maybe you're spiritually dry. Um, this could be for a person who's burnt out. I've been there. I've been burnt out recently. It's a horrible thing to go through. Um, and it's something that we shouldn't ever allow ourselves to do. But it's easy in this day and age. It's easy to get burnt out because all, all of the things that are surrounded by us and all the chaos and all of the things. You know, we live in a lazy generation. But the reason we live in a lazy generation is because everyone's tired. Everyone's worn out. There's so many things we have to deal with on a daily basis. I'm only 19, and I'm up here sounding like someone who's just about to retire. I'm tired. (laughs) I mean, I'm one year into the real world, and I'm worn out because there's just things that, you know, I go go to work 8 to 5, and then I have a four-page essay to write that I procrastinate for multiple days because by the time I get home from work, I'm tired, and I I love my job, but, man, I hate homework. (laughs) That's the thing, that you love one thing. Then there's that one thing you get home. Guys, when you go home, you got to fix You gotta fix the house, got to fix the car. Um, she ran it into a ditch. She hit a deer. You hit a deer. You blame it on her. Um, I know how you guys work. I've lived under my dad's house for 19 years. No, 10 years, right, Dad? I'm kidding. But we live in a day that we're all worn out. I, I doubt I could have many people raise their hand and say, I'm full of energy right now. It's whatever time o'clock. Yeah, seven thirty. Yeah, seven thirty, and we are absolutely probably tired. You're probably saying, "Well, this dude shut up, so I can go home and sleep and get my my midnight cereal, so I can go watch my Andy Griffith show and take a nap." But if you're taking a nap after seven thirty, you got something wrong with you. <laughs> but we live in a day and age where we're tired. A lot of us are asleep spiritually. Um, we need to wake up. We need to realize you only got one life. Um, we only get one life. This life is as a vapor. We need to not let ourselves be dead too long. Lazarus was dead four days. Jesus rose him up from the grave. It doesn't matter how long you've been asleep spiritually. God can use you still. If, like I said, if you still have breath in your lungs. God can still use you. It's up to you on if you're going to rise up and go and do what God has called you to do. Three points and I'm done. I know it's a long intro. I promise you the points won't be as long as the intro. <laughs> i pull Kenny here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I am kidding. Kenny, don't get me in trouble. First is rise up daily. Each day in this world is a fight anymore. Like I said, it, it, it's so easy to be tired and just fall asleep in Christ because you're tired from your daily uh, regular worldly task you have to do. Crucify your flesh daily and rise up spiritually. Your body may like coffee in the morning, your soul likes the word of God. Our physical body wakes up every morning and makes sure you wake up spiritually every day too. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when I wake up I, I you know, I don't have to go into work about eight. But I'll be there, but I won't be there, if you know what I'm saying. Um, you know, I'm not a coffee coffeeholic like my mom is, but maybe I should get into that a little bit. But, you know, there, there's things we do for our physical body to help it like Caffeine in the morning, um, stuff like that. Why don't we? Um, why don't we read the Word of God in the morning to kind of get our day going spiritually? Because when the, the days that I'm further away from the Word of God are the days I'm most tired spiritually, and I'm more easily falling asleep spiritually. These are the days that you know the devil can easily snare you and get you and catch you. These are the days that we need to be more vigilant the devil knows when to make us tired. The devil knows when to throw that project at work that will get you tired so that you don't wake up spiritually the next day. Um, the devil's very meticulous about what he does. Make sure you wake up spiritually every day. The Bible says, joy cometh in the morning. His mercies are new every morning. Have a morning routine. And for me, it's hard. I don't like mornings. I'm not a morning person. But we gotta push ourselves and realize... We're blessed. God's given us this life. Don't mess it up. Keep going for Christ. Wake up with some energy. Wake up on fire spiritually and feed your spiritual self. Number two is rise up fervently. Don't just drag out of bed, jump out of that thing. The Lord gave you another day. Wake up. His mercies are new every morning. Joy cometh in the morning. Wake up like you're excited to be alive. I know there's some days where I wake up and I'm dragging And and, my mom's like, hey, good morning, good morning. I'm just like, I'm not in the mood for it right now. Sorry, Mom. But we need to wake up with some energy. And and I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to anyone else here. We need to wake up fervently. And by the way, I'm not saying Lazarus was spiritually wrong for being dead. For those of you um, theologians, I'm not saying that Lazarus was wrong for being in the tomb. I'm just trying to apply um, a spiritual meaning here. Number three, rise up faithfully. Rise up with the faith of knowing who woke you up. God isn't done with you, yet if you still have breath in your lungs, rise up and work diligently and faithfully for Christ. If he can raise the dead, then he can raise our lazy rearing. You know, we, we think we think that we're gone beyond help and we just don't got that energy. And I'm sorry, I'm slamming the non morning people. I'm with you, though. If God can raise the dead, can he not raise us from just being a- asleep spiritually? We, we need more spiritually aware, and spiritually awake Christians. We need some more Christians on fire for God, ready to serve the God who saved us from an eternity in hell. Ready to serve the God who has let us live in such a time like this. We don't realize that... Things will wax worse and worse, but we need stronger and stronger Christians as things wax worse. We need more people because the Christian you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, but we sure do see that some people are straying away from God, that some people are straying away from the faith. We see that preachers are giving up and closing churches. We see that pandemics are knocking churches out. We see that things are knocking churches out. We see that laws are knocking churches out. And there's these things, and the devil's throwing attack after attack after attack on the church. But it's up to us Christians to stand firm in the faith and not give in and not give heed to the things that are attacking us, because... The, the, the word of God says that they hated me before they hated you. And this is the thing we need to realize that long before we were born, there's been attacks on the church. But the Bible made it clear at the beginning that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we can get tore up about the shape our nations and we can get tore up about the shape the world's in. We can get tore up about all these things and we should, we should be offended by the things that are going on in this world. But we need to stand firm and stand faith and not just complain to 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 our little Facebook groups that agree with us and actually start sharing the truth in the world instead of getting fired up about some presidential um, election, how about we get fired up for the gospel and let the gospel seek out into the world and let it spread and let there be a great revival and then maybe we'll see a better shape of our country because I have news for you: the shape of our country is not in the hands of, of a president. The shape of our country is not in the hands of Donald Trump, Joe Biden. I don't care. Who it is? Uh, I have preferences, Amen. But there's not; there's, aren't the people who are in control. The ones who are in control is the one that's been in control and been on the throne since the beginning of time, before the foundations of the world began. God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Holy Spirit; these three are one, and they have. And God has been in control since the beginning. God's been in control all along, and we can't get too tore up about these things that we don't have control of, and realize God's in control. He has a plan and he has a way. It's up to us to wake up, stay awake spiritually, stay vigilant and keep reading the word of God. Keep praying, keep sharing the gospel, doing these things. I say it over and over and over and each each message I preach, it seems God keeps giving me this burden to say, we need to wake up church, we need to wake up America, we need to wake up in all these different ways because everyone's so tired and everyone's falling asleep and everyone's straying away and kind of just... Being lackadaisical lukewarm christians and we're seeing a lukewarm movement in the nation today and it drives me nuts because after what jesus did for us how could we how dare we do such a thing like that that's nearly blasphemous to do because god died for our sins jesus died for our sins and he didn't have to and we take it for granted you know that's like someone giving you a million dollars and you just say, all right and walking away you would say thank you. And I think uh, the eternity in heaven is a little more significant than a million dollars. You know, you see someone win the lottery at a casino. They go berserk, screaming, haywire, going crazy. I've not been in casinos recently, so I don't have first eyewitness of this. I've just heard stories. But people get excited about money. People get excited about promotions. People get excited about new jobs, new positions. People get excited at a sports game. Go Bengals, all right? But people get excited about all these things. But we come to church and we sit in a pew, and as I call it, pew dinners, and then we don't care at all about, the, about, about Christ, seemingly. Yes, we care, but we don't show it. And I'm not saying you've got to be all charismatic, but I'm saying we should live like we have a Savior who died for our sins. We should live like there's a world out there that needs the gospel. I love how it says you are now entering your mission field. There is nothing truer than that. I'm so thankful for a church that believes that, because it doesn't stop in these poor walls. we got, we got to go out there and make an impact. You know We may say, "Well, what could little Dylan Osborne do to make an impact? I could preach, and two people can take this to heart and go out there and, and, and share the word of God. So Ryan takes it to the a plant, shed, shares it there. Two people from there go. My dad takes it to his work, two people from there, spreads like wildfire. Next thing you know, Sayada County's having a revival. Uh, let's start with portions, inside the county. Next thing you know, Southern Ohio has a revival. Next thing you know, Ohio has a revival. It is a domino effect, but we have to have that first push. And there's not enough Christians giving that first push to see the revival that we have the potential to see. And what kills me is the potential versus what's actually happening. We have so much potential, guys, and we fall short of that daily. Like I said, it doesn't matter how long you have been asleep. I feel like our nation's been asleep for a little while now. There's a lot of things. The church, overall, honestly, falling asleep a little bit. The gates of hell will not prevail against it, but we are seeing some of them kind of fall back and tuck and tail in the corner, hiding from the things that they're scared of. Stephen was stoned, man. Peter was crucified upside down. They didn't stop. Why should we? Why should we? Just because someone's going to unfriend us on Facebook or? say this, say that, and and do it in a loving way. You know, you're not going to say, you're going to go up to someone and say, you're going to hell, and they're going to be like, oh, I need to say saved. <laughs> Everyone wants to do that. Yes, that may be true. Yes, they probably are going to hell, but how many examples of that do you see from Jesus? What made Jesus mad? What made Jesus flip tables? The Pharisees, the self-righteous crowd, and i I publicly slam the self-righteous crowd a lot because nothing pushes people away from God more than the self-righteous crowd. Um, It is not of works, lest any man should boast. Too many boastful people, and we wonder why the churches are kind of empty. Too many people are asleep, too many people are boastful, and too many people don't care enough. It's high time we realize what's going on around us. Um, myself, I'm guilty. I need to share more, guys. I need, to, I need to do these things more. I need to be better in a lot of ways in my life. But it's time for us to rise up. Time for us to get up, get out of our seats, do something for Christ. If everyone in this church, and I don't know how many people we have here, but if everyone in this church would go out and tell two people about this this week, about Jesus, What kind of revival could we see? Invite two people to church, not for the numbers, but for the souls. We need to see people coming into the church, but like like that says, it doesn't have to be in the church. You can talk to them about Jesus at work, um, at school, over text even. I mean, we have so much access to be able to share the word of God anymore, and too often we fall short of doing so. Too often we just take it for granted. Man, can you imagine if the disciples had social media, you know, or some, some of the Bible people, I, I've seen some funny, there's this AI thing going around. I've seen some funny stuff. Like, there's one, like, Moses taking a selfie, but, and, 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 like, the, the sea's crashing on the pharaoh and everything. But, you know, wh- how would those guys have shared? You know, we, we need to live in a way that is Christ-centered, not life-centered, then Christ-focused, but Christ-centered. Everything should surround Christ, because as I preached on previous message you know you can do you can have Christ on the side and you won't have joy at all but the one thing that will relate to every aspect of your life is Christ when you have him as the center him as the focus then the other things domino effect God will take care of the other things can't take care of God God can take care of the other things so what do you have your center and your focus around I'm done I'm closing a word of prayer real quick God in heaven I want to thank you for this day God thank you for